Is it acceptable to go to Mickey D's just for a drink? <laughs> of course it is. But good luck leaving with just a drink. It's more than a drink. It's a Mickey D's drink. And right now, a small Minute Maid slushie is just $1.59. So all you have to do is choose a flavor, like the tropical mango or strawberry watermelon, and enjoy like it's meant to be enjoyed. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Three, two, one. Never has there been a better time to be alive in human history. If you're not feeling it, you must discover why. Join Matthew Bolton in developing and applying a framework of objective optimism toward a flourishing life of meaning, health, and happiness. Here's your host, Matthew Bolton. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Mr. Brightside. I'm Matthew Bolton. Now, before we get started on today's topic, I'd like to take up a couple issues regarding last week's show, including the unusual attention it's received and by which I've been a little blown away. At the time of recording for this week's show, it's only been a few days since that show's release, and already it's been my most viewed video ever, as well as my most downloaded in audio form. Now, I don't get too up or down with the number of views and listens I get. Uh, if I did, I probably would have quit a long time ago. Um, Although they obviously give me information over time about what kind of show is more helpful, entertaining, etc., to others. While I claim the show is a documentation of my own thinking for me, and it is, it's still true that my aim is to shape that into something others would want to spend time listening to uh, because it's valuable to them in some way. I want it to be entertaining and thought-provoking for others. Incidentally, speaking of views and listens, because of my own show last week or Rather, the deliberate approach I've been taking, which I presented in that show, and the master craftsman question, uh, does this promote my agenda? I've, I've now also made another rule for myself that I only check the views of my videos once a day at the end of the day. And this might seem trivial, um, just like a lot of small changes. But again, it's one of those things that one can do in a moment of boredom, quote unquote. So, you know, I might be sitting there and then you know, just sitting there with nothing to do in a, in a, in a moment or a few minutes of free time. And then just look over at my phone and think, hmm, pick it up and look. And there's no Facebook app now. There's nothing I can click to right away, but I might just go to the YouTube studio app, click it open just to see maybe if uh, my video's got another view or not. Like much like people do, uh, if they just check in on a, a Facebook post to see if uh, they got any likes or comments or something like that. Um, I might uh, do that. And then I would go maybe check out the Bolton from Bolton podcast, which was the, the other one I mentioned. I have another podcast I do with my brother about hockey, which I really uh, enjoy doing. And I check in on that one as well. So it takes a minute or two, you know, and it's just something that it gives, you know, for a moment, it gives me something to do. And right there it was, gives me something to do. Like when I recognize that's exactly what it was, I immediately thought like, this is a loathsome behavior. I got to do something about that. So, you know, obviously you've got to measure stuff and, and see what's going on with your shows. And, and you do have to check up on these things. But once a day is more than enough. And I see this clearly now as something that's just me seeking some kind of connection to that outside world that I talked about last week. And doing that keeps it, that world alive and noisy in my brain. I want to snuff that out. I want to be peaceful and calm and focused on my world here, not antsy in it. So as soon as I realized that's what I was doing, I said, no, I'm just checking once a day at the end of the day. So there's a practical application of the show actually affecting my own behavior. And I hope it can do the same for you. Now, one more uh, word related to all this and to last week's theme, another practical application uh, of what we've been talking about um, that I want to add 
because of, again, the effect that last week's show had on me. Um, as I was saying to myself earlier, yeah, Facebook's really the only social media account I have. It occurred to me that, oh, no, wait, actually, I, I do have a LinkedIn, but I didn't really think of it like that because I don't actually go to LinkedIn and scroll down and check out you know, what's going on, see what's happening. Yet I do check it out multiple times a day because I get notifications on my phone. And I'm one of these guys that I can't stand having uh, numbers up on my you know, user interface and, and all that. Uh, I just want to clean them all out. Um, I have this, uh, I have one friend who, who likes to torture me. He has his phone and he'll just show me there's just red, there's just notifications all over, peppered all over the face of it. And then he'll show me his e- Gmail or something. It's got like 1200 unread messages. They look at that and I'll just be like, Oh, get it away. Please just take it away. You know, but really I, I just be like, look at him and be like, are you serious? Like what is going on that he just laugh at me? Uh, it just, you know, Oh my God. But anyway, being that kind of guy, when that stuff comes up, I have to just open it. And then I have a quick look at what it is and I get out of there. But I'm constantly in LinkedIn like that. So again, as soon as I saw that, I was like, what am I doing? So I just deleted, you know, I asked that question, what am I doing here? And I just deleted the app. So I did off my phone. So again, I have my LinkedIn account and I'm going to just check it out at the end of the day just to see if there's any notifications, what's going on once a day. Uh, as I check my Facebook and all the other things. So that's all happening in one small pocket of time at the end of my day. And it's not a constant presence in my life. So if you're not quite sure what I'm talking about here, uh, I invite you to go listen to that episode. Uh, it was last week's episode. It was called Quiet the Noise, Turn Up Your Own Agenda. Matthew drops Facebook. Uh, the applications of it are continuing with me and I'm loving it. Uh, I'm really diving deeper into this topic in general as it's so, so much something that we all ought to be aware of in our lives in this new age of hyper-connection. Objectivity about our own lives, selectivity, proactivity, etc., are perhaps even more important than ever, as we may more easily be sucked into ecosystems that have never existed before and which are actually farther from our real worlds than ever before as well, if we are too passive and undeliberate about what tools we adopt and allow into our lives. Okay, enough of that. On with today, which is not wholly unrelated to last week's theme. Everything is integrated here on Mr. Brightside. Um, This week's theme is about, I recently uh, went in to see something that had been on my list on Netflix for a while, as I thought it might be of interest to me sometime. It's Rolling Thunder Review, a Bob Dylan story by Martin Scorsese. Now, I made it about halfway through the show, and I'm not sure if I'll finish it. Uh, I don't really know what the message as a whole is, what the point of the movie is, except to document the event as it happened. And at least that much of it, uh, kept me watching the documenting of what happened. Um, when I got close to turning it off, there would be a snippet of something said that would hold me for a minute and buy the film a couple more minutes of my attention. And I keep going. Um, but what I did enjoy throughout as I went and, and what I had mostly sought in, uh, in watching the thing anyway, was a look at Bob Dylan, which I don't, I don't really get a picture of life at that time as well. I find it fascinating to watch some of these older clips of, of old shows on YouTube or, or older movies in general, older books, older TV shows, uh, even shows just from my own youth, which fair enough was decades ago. So it's, you know, quite a lot, a while ago. And I like to see a snapshot of time and a place and ask what was going on and how it relates to today. What were people wearing then? What was the general mood in the culture? What were people saying? How did they interact with each other, etc.? Um, and I got lots of that in watching this movie, like in 1975, what were, how the people were, how was, how were the guys handing out flyers in the different cities and interacting with people? Um, 
what were what were the different members of the review um, saying about about the time and, and what was the audience like and just all kinds of just what was the whole mood of the culture. Um, I found it fascinating to watch that. And in any case, I'm not here to do a review of the review. I'm here to tell you about something Bob Dylan said near the beginning of the film that made my eyes pop right out of my head and listen in more intently. And then he capped it with a thing that made me want to scream and applaud. And then so I just stopped the thing. I paused it. I turned it back to listen to again. And I just savored it. And I was like, wow. And here's what he said. Life isn't about finding yourself or finding anything. It's about creating yourself and creating things. He said it just like that. And I was said, oh, man, Bob, tell me again. So as I said, I went back and listened again. And, uh, you know, I, it was just worth it, worth the whole movie for me to see that. Let me tell you something about back in 2002, uh, I came to Korea for the first time. I had just finished my undergrad and I had no plan as to what I was going to do. And, you know, I started considering, oh, should I do like a, you know, a postgrad, a master's program, uh, something like that. But I mean, if you have no real plan like that, you shouldn't just jump into a master's program because it might lead to something. So I really thought I got to take some time off and think about it here. But I considered staying home and, and what that would mean. If you spend a year at home, you just kind of work and pay the bills essentially. And at the end, you're basically back where you started, hopefully with an idea uh, as to where I want and what direction I want to go at least, but really not much else. But um, as I discovered this opportunity to go, uh, you know, teach, teach in English in Korea, I was like, what's that all about? A friend told me about it. I asked another person about it and I learned all about it. And I discovered this sounds great. I could go to another country. I could, um, they, they could give me a place to live. You get free housing. So I don't have to pay for that. You get paid. It's like a paid working holiday. At the end of my year, I would have saved some money and I'll have seen something different. And that was the big appeal to me. Um, it, at home, it's not that there were bad ideas. It's only that they were the only ideas I'd ever known. Um, I needed to experience the new. And also in a foreign country, I thought I could be more anonymous. No one here had any expectations of who I was or what I was supposed to think, say, or do. Like if I were starting to think in a different way about something, no one would be like, you know, who do you think you are? That's like, who's this guy? Like, it's just, I could start to really check things out. Um, and that was a lot of the appeal. So it might be said that I was going out to Korea to find myself. And I don't know if I would have characterized it like that. Maybe I would have, but whatever. Uh, I certainly didn't have Bob Dylan to tell me that it wasn't about that, um, but that's fine. But it was about finding something different and questioning that which I had already, uh, which I already knew about the world. Um, I wish that I could say that I had as sophisticated a view of it as I, uh, then as I do today, but that isn't true. Um, I can only see that this is what, what it was now. Today, what Bob Dylan said about creating yourself sums up precisely what my conception of optimism is, and that it's not about passively waiting for inspiration or things to be revealed to you or for things to happen to you. Only you do that with a positive and hopeful expectation, while a pessimist is also passive, yet they're cynical and expects the worst. No, in my clarified conception, what I call objective optimism, it's about being proactive, intentional, deliberate. Constantly thinking about what is right and good for me, objectively good for me, what is objectively in reality necessary to achieve that, and then choose to enact those behaviors that lead to the character and life I want to build. And this is in all aspects of life. Now, I'm far from the only person advocating for people to take responsibility for their own lives and for thoughtful, proactive self-development, etc. But there can never be enough voices repeating it in various, hopefully uh, clarifying and empowering ways. 
But it is still true that many people today accept some view of ourselves as a product of something outside of our own choices, like our race, our gender, our sexual orientation, our country, our religion, our upbringing and environment. Essentially, things which are out of our control and which we may attribute to a culture, a set of group norms or behaviors, etc. And we'll define culture more precisely in a minute. And we are a product of that culture, they say. Our identity is all about our membership to that group and not about our own choices and certainly not something that we create. And with this, when I heard Bob say that in the thing, I immediately thought of a talk uh, I've given and still give in some of my English conversation classes at Hanjin University here in Korea. I've mentioned uh, on, on another show and last week even and other times that in my classes, I usually take a topic of interest. So maybe I read an article that I like or there's a podcast episode I like, or there's some idea I've heard somewhere, or some idea I formulated on my own. And I think it's it's valuable to share with students. So I basically present it in some kind of consumable way for them. These are non-native speakers. So I, depending on their level, I have to choose to summarize it in, in a particular way, uh, simply. Um, and and then usually it's, it's accompanied with some kind of Prezi presentation to, to help them follow along. And then at the end, I ask, I have a series of discussion questions. We sit down, uh, usually in small groups and, and the students talk it out, right? So it's basically focused on the conversation and, uh, students enjoy it. I enjoy it. And, uh, and the system and the format works really well, uh, for me. And one talk and discussion that I've given and really enjoy is called defining and developing your own personal culture. Um, it's the second talk in a unit called culture shock where in the first lesson, I define what a culture is, give some examples, etc. And then, as it's all about the discussion or the conversation in my conversation class, students compare different cultures, what they like and don't like uh, about Korean culture, what they like and dislike about other cultures, uh, whether they've ever ever experienced culture shock, etc. And that's lots of fun and a good exercise, etc. And then in the second talk, the one I named, we discussed the idea about what I call one's own personal culture. And what I'd like to do today on this show is to essentially deliver my brief talk from that class, accompanied by the amazing Prezi presentation. Uh, you'll see what I mean by my Prezi skills. I like to disparage my tech skills all the time, uh, but that's another story. Um, only I'll deliver uh, today's talk in uh, native speaker style, meaning that I'll talk normally, just as I do to you guys normally, without making all the stops and pauses and repeats and speaking slowly that I have to do for basic level Korean students. And while I dare say that this talk is for younger people who are still shaping their own identities, whether attempting to find themselves or otherwise, I think this is as much for anyone. I even derive a benefit whenever I deliver this talk to students, as it reminds me to review my own self and how I'm going about the business of my own life and who I am. As my view of optimism demands, we never stop challenging, questioning, trying to learn and improve upon ourselves, the shape and content of who we are. We are all works in progress and we may all always be better. So this talk is for anyone of any age. And more, it challenges the idea that we are determined by the culture we were brought up in. Culture being the sum of choices generally accepted by a group, which is proved by, that there are so many diverse cultures in the world, an individual may create a culture as much as a group may develop one. But we'll see more about that. All right, so enough discussing what will be done. Let's get on with it already. And before we do go on with it, I said that this is the second talk of a two-part unit about culture. And in the first one, we defined culture and which definition we brought into the second one, which will help us understand 
the second talk more clearly. So I will uh, tell you what that definition was that I present to them. Um, it is actually taken from two different definitions I got that I thought melded well together and which really presented quite a great overview and clear definition of what a culture actually is and consists of. So the first was, a nation's culture is the sum of the intellectual achievements of individual men, which their fellow citizens have accepted in whole or in part, and which have influenced the nation's way of life. The second is, a culture is a way of life of a group of people. The behaviors, beliefs, values, and symbols that they accept generally without thinking about them, and that are passed along by communication and imitation from one generation to the next. So both of these together show us why we might say that, um, that, that a, you know, a culture is a collective type thing. We might say that's where we get a Korean culture, or it can be said that we have a Canadian culture or a Western culture. It is accepted in whole or in part by the people in a geographical area um, or a group, but it actually is the sum of the intellectual achievements of individuals. And we must really be clear about that. And then observe that it is behaviors, beliefs, values, and symbols that are generally accepted. So we'll take that definition into the next one. So as I say, let us get on with that one. And here we are. And as I say, and as you can see, the name of this talk is Defining and Developing Your Own Personal Culture. And it starts off with the question, who am I? And this question, when it's asked, is usually people looking outward, looking up into the sky and asking, who am I? As if some answer is going to be revealed to them from outside, as if it's something that they have to discover, something that they have to find. And in this, you can see why the Bob Dylan quote spoke to me so much, because many people believe the question, who am I, is something that they must seek and find out about. But for me, the question, who am I, is actually, who do I want to be? How do I want to live my life? So we'll move ahead. Um, culture. Remember from the last talk that culture includes behaviors, beliefs, attitudes, values, and symbols. And I ask you, which of those do you want to adopt? And I ask the students, what if I told you that we can choose everything about ourselves? So we start off, remember, behaviors and attitudes. Let's break them down one by one. I ask students, can we choose how we walk, talk, sit, stand, look, dress, deal with people, eat, gesture, etc., down to every detail of what we do and how we act. And I argue that we can. I think that I actually have in my own life decided these things. Now, there are certain things that are just, you know, we say they're uh, unselfconscious, I guess. Um, and I just kind of walk a certain way and I don't have much control. I've got the Bolton walk. People can make fun of me about that. And people make fun of everybody's particular mannerisms um, and, and ways of doing things. But it is true that we can affect them. And I have thought about how do I talk? How do I want to pronounce these words? Particularly living in another country, I've really learned that, you know, I have to be careful how I pronounce things to be understood clearly by people all over the world. And then I have since adjusted the way I, the way I enunciate and the way I talk all the time. And, you know, when I go home, people are almost like, why do you talk like that now? It's just something that I've partly chosen and partly picked up from all over the world. It's, it's a combination of both. Um, even how you sit. Do I sit up straight? Do I want to have straight shoulders? And then you can make it part of it. Do I want to slouch? Am I going to be that kind of person uh, looking cool or something? Do I think it looks cool? I mean, you really choose these kind of things over time. Um, how do I dress? Certainly, you can 
think about that and look around and decide that looks cool and, and take things from different places and think maybe this is how I want to come across. Uh, how do you deal with people? How do I eat? Um, you know, do I put down my, my utensils uh, at times? Do I eat slowly? Do I eat quickly? Um, do I even think about that at all? When I was, when I was young, of course, I was just shoveling food in my face. Not really much regard for it. I think a lot more about how do I want to eat? And of course, I mean, not just what you eat, which has obviously changed over time, but really, how do I eat? How do I go about setting up my whole uh, dinner table and think about my eating in general? And how do I gesture? I mean, people have gestures and we say that they're unconscious or unselfconscious, but you know, you could be made aware, particularly when you do a show like this and you get on video and see yourself, you can go, oh my God, I'm just flailing my arms all the time and I have to keep this under control, etc. You can choose these things if you are aware of them. And I say we can do this down to every detail of how we act. Our behaviors and our attitudes about things are all within our control and over time we can change them. Beliefs. Um, we must decide, what do I believe? Why do I believe it? What is good and bad? What is right and wrong? Why is it right and wrong? How do I know that it's right? How do I know it's wrong? And a lot of people just kind of, you know, absorb whatever, whatever the, the beliefs of the people around them happen to be, whatever their parents believe, whatever their teachers or the community around them, their general culture. Oh, this is what uh, Canadians think. This is how what Koreans believe, you know, and then they just kind of go, well, and you ask them a question. Why do you think this? Why do you believe that? Well, you know, this is kind of what people believe. But if you go around in different parts of the world in different cultures, you can see that obviously there are different ways of looking at all issues. Um, so we really have to be objective about it and ask our own questions and get proofs. Who is right and wrong? Which culture has it right and which, which doesn't? Some people have it. Some people, some people's answer to these questions reflect reality accurately, i.e. they're true. And some people's don't reflect it accurately, i.e. they are false. You have to discover what is true and what is false. And then you have to adopt what is true for yourself and reject what is false. It doesn't matter about what you were brought up as. This is the same with values. We can choose values. Now, values uh, can be defined as things that we, that we take action to gain and keep in our lives, things that we want to pursue and acquire to further our own lives. So these are things like, this list here. And we can choose all of them. We can choose what kind of friends, relationships, what kind of clothes we wear, accessories, health, home we live in, what kind of gadgets we use, whether to have children or not. That's a big one. Obviously, it's, you know, there was a time when it was just assumed, well, of course you have children. I mean, people you had, you know, you know, hordes of them, like 10 to 12 kids or something in families back in the day. In some cultures, that's still true. Um, whether you want to have pets in your life or not. Uh, what kind of art you want to consume, what kind of music, what kind of career, etc. that we want. All of these values may be chosen. They're not values just because my culture values them. The people, the culture that I grew up in values these things. And this culture values those things. And everybody's right. It's what is good for you? What is good for your life? What values do you think are good for a human life and good for your own life? And how can you... Uh, choose them and, and relate them uh, and, and acquire them. So for me, this question of values, the questions you want to ask yourself to discover the answer to these, to, these to, to, what, to what kind of values are appropriate for you are who and what do I want in my life? What brings meaning and value to my life? 
Will everyone have the same values as you? Should everybody have the same values as you? How do you acquire and protect what you value? So how do you actually achieve it in reality? These are all big time questions that not every culture has great answers to. You have to answer these questions for yourself and adopt your own values. All of these choices add up to what I call your personal style or personal culture. So I tell students that I don't have Canadian culture. I have Matthew culture. I kind of joke that, but it's not really a joke. I mean, I've come and live in Korea now, and I've recognized a lot of things about Korean culture that I like, that I think are better than Canadian culture or the culture in Nova Scotia. And I think there are a lot of things in Canadian culture and in culture in Nova Scotia that are better than what's going, what's happening in Korea, the way people do things in Korea. And I reject the things that I don't like, and I adopt the things I do like, and now I have a whole new culture. This house, what goes on in this house and in my life is a lot different than what goes on in a typical Korean house or in a typical Canadian house. And it's not just that I've absorbed a whole mishmash at random. It's that I've really deliberately, proactively, selectively chosen what I want to uh, have in my life and who I want to be and how I want to build it. And I call that Matthew culture. And of course, we can learn about culture, not just by going away and living in it. You don't have to go live in other countries to, to learn this stuff. We are a connected, global, globally connected world these days. So we can learn about other cultures easily. Um, we learn about this through books, uh, through uh, document, document, uh, documentaries, excuse me, um, through TV and movies. A lot of fiction can, can give us um, pictures of cultures. So we can learn all about that. And we can say, you know, this is, this is living. This is what living is all about. And we don't have to do it one way. We can do it all uh, in, in any way we choose. So it's all about your choices. It's not created for you already. It, um, it's all up to you. You don't find out who you are by tracing back what happened in the history of your family and, and in the, the history of, of uh, Nova Scotia and Canada, for example, or Korean students here, what happened in the history of Korea leading up to now, and that's what I'm all about. No, you can decide everything about yourself. So the question I ask, who are you? Well, that's up to you, and it's up to all of us. So that's all that anyway, guys. And of course, what we would do in the class now is sit down with the students and have a whole series of discussion questions, challenging them to think about their beliefs and their attitudes and their behaviors and, uh, the, you know, everything about their culture and everything that they want to adopt and reject in their lives and, and, and all of that. And of course, we can ask these questions for ourselves and we ought to. Um, and in any case, now you can see why I freaked out when Bob Dylan said that life is about creating yourself. I was like, wow. But what I didn't do was emphasize his further add end, that idea about creating things. And it didn't impress me any less. Let me tell you, uh, this is the point of what last week's show was. Um, I was so caught up trying to keep up with what everyone else was creating, doing and saying uh, on social media. And I had so much FOMO in regard to that fear of missing out that I wasn't focused on my own work. And that was a lot of what was making my own work seem more overwhelming than it really was. So again, revisit that show um, to, to find out more about what I'm talking about there. I also hope today um, that you can see why culture, the culture that one is brought up in or is currently a member of is just one factor in influencing who we are, but it does not define us. We are defined by choices. 
Uh, now, before I say a final word, let me please ask you, um, as I always do, to ask questions and make comments regarding anything you heard today. It will help me clarify my own thinking and fill in holes for myself and for other listeners. Um, you can ask questions or make comments uh, in the comments section where you're listening now, or you can go to the Mr. Brightside Facebook page, facebook.com slash matthewbolton.ca. I very much appreciate you doing all that. Thanks, guys. Now, I've gone on long enough today, and there's no simpler and more elegant way anyway to essentialize it than how Bob Dylan, poet that he is, puts it in Rolling Thunder Review. So I'll let his words be those we take away with us. Now, I wish you could hear it in his voice, uh, but we've already discussed my lack of tech savvy, and I don't know how to take a Netflix uh, clip excerpt and put it here. So, um, But I do recommend you go and hear him say it. It is at two minutes and 15 seconds into that Netflix stream. So hark now, hear again uh, what he says. Life isn't about finding yourself or finding anything. It's about creating yourself and creating things. If I took anything from that movie, it was worth it just to hear those lines. They will help me when I need to remind myself of who is in charge of my life and who I am. I'll see you guys next time. Mr. Brightside, your time out to refresh, refuel, and refocus your mind and energy toward building an optimistic framework for flourishing. Life is good. It's up to you to choose the bright side. Mama is treating me to breakfast. Yep, let me see your phone. Huh? Look here, I download this McDonald's app because when you buy any bagel sandwich like the steak, egg, and cheese bagel, you get one free. Wait, you just bought that on my phone. That's right. Now that you got McDonald's money, you could treat mama. <laughs> okay, ma, you got it. Valid for product of equal or lesser value. Valid through 10 22 at participating McDonald's. Valid one time per day. App download and registration required. 